0: you doing everybody? We are in week two of our series Christmas at Coast and what we've been doing is we've been taking a deeper look at some of the Christmas stories and kind of pulling out the underlying principles and talking about how they apply to our life and because I believe and you've heard me say this before I believe that the Bible is the most practical book on the planet. Man, it's the most relevant book on the planet. The stories, the, the, the scriptures, all of it there is there for us, and it speaks into our life today because it's a living thing, and I absolutely love it. So let me ask you a question as we get started this morning. How many of you, when you look at your, li- your life, you would say that you are a planner, that you like to plan things out? Can I see your hands? Hold them up. Quite a few of you. All right. If you had your Christmas shopping finished in the summer, you're you're a planner. All right. If you're there at the mall on Christmas Eve, you're probably not a planner, all right? But let me ask you, how many of you you've planned something out and you've had those moments where things didn't go quite like you planned? Some of you, a good many of you, probably most of us, right? Sometimes it seems like everything that could go wrong goes wrong, and you think, man, I shouldn't have even got out of bed today. I'm going to show you some pictures this morning uh, that are just some of those kind of moments. In this first one, this girl accidentally drops her phone at the zoo. <laughs> and then she realizes she probably doesn't need it anyway, right? I'm sure when she took off for the zoo, she wasn't even thinking uh, about that sort of thing. She didn't plan on it. In the second picture, this lady's sitting on a bench. And you notice the wet paint signs in front of her. And the realization happens in three, two, one. I love that. Here's one. Happy 16th birthday. Oops. (laughs) Not what she had planned, I'm sure. This next pick sends a bit of a shiver into my spine. (laughs) You go on vacation. That's not what you're planning, right? That's kind of like everybody's worst nightmare. Pick five. Here's one that we can all relate to. And it's usually... (laughs) It's usually not until you get to work that you realize that your wardrobe planning didn't go exactly the way you were thinking it was going to go. This one cracks me up. That's a lone puzzle piece in the middle of the woods, meaning that somewhere there's a 5,000-piece puzzle with 4,999 pieces. Somebody's going to be really aching over that planning, right? <laughs> um, Pick number seven. I can relate to this one. This is when you're not quite awake and you fire up the Keurig. (laughs) That's just bad planning. Pick number eight. uh, When you live up north and you mean to turn on the rear defroster, but you open the sunroof instead. (laughs) Not what he had planned, right? I like this one. Pick number nine. This is when your new Ford Fiesta Flame <laughs> loses the F. <laughs> and now it's a Ford Fiesta lame. And then finally this one, clean up on aisle nine. Not what you planned. And the truth is, is every one of us has had days like that where we plan out, we make these plans, and then things just don't happen. The way that we think they're going to go. Where well, you go, you know, why did I even get out of bed? I mean, I need a silent night. Forget everybody else. I need a silent night, right? And if you've ever gone through a day like that, or if you've gone through a month like that, or maybe for some of you, all of 2019 was like that, you know, it was just this tough times. And well, if that's you, you picked a great service to come to because the, one of the things that Christmas stories teach us is what do you do when things don't go the way we plan them? And not only that, but what happens when God comes in and changes your plans? The Christmas story is a story where everybody's plans got changed. Nobody's life turned out exactly the way they thought it was going to. For Mary and Joseph, their plans changed in a huge way. They were just a young couple engaged to be married. The, you know, they were, all they wanted to do was get married, settle down, get a home, You know, live life, have a nice, quiet little existence. And in the middle of that preparation, an angel comes along and says, Oh, by the way... God has a new plan <laughs> for you. And Mary, there's three parts to the plan. Now, don't get upset. And I kind of, in my mind, <laughs> have this picture of this angel saying that over and over again. Now, don't get upset. <laughs> you know, we think about it, Don't be afraid. But you said, don't be upset. Don't be upset. It's going to be all right. Uh, but there's three parts to the plan, and it's a pretty big deal. Part number one is you're going to get pregnant before the wedding, and it's not going to be Joseph's. Yikes right number two don't get upset about this because this will be a miracle it's never been done before it's never going to happen again it'll be a virgin birth <laughs> okay <laughs> all right and then the the third part the third part is uh the child that you'll be carrying well there's no easy way to say it it's, it's going to be god <laughs> what right i mean god changed their plans God messed up the plans of King Herod. Herod had been appointed king by the Roman Empire, and he was the king over Israel, even though he wasn't Jewish. He wasn't even Jewish. And Herod was like this control freak. He was extremely paranoid about being overthrown because he wasn't Jewish. So here's what he did. In order to control and protect his kingdom, he just started killing everybody. And he killed everybody around him. He had his wife killed. He had his mother killed. He had his brother-in-law killed. And finally, he had his own two sons killed because he was afraid that they were going to usurp his position. I mean, this guy was a nutcase, right? And there's one place in the Bible that says that Herod was disturbed. You can imagine that everybody around Herod was disturbed, that Herod was disturbed, right? Because you didn't know what he was going to do. So all of a sudden Herod's going through all of this murderous rampage and he hears a message that he wasn't really expecting to hear. He finds out that there was the king of Jews being born in his area. And so, man, he went berserk. He went out and declared an order that every baby under the age of two would be murdered or killed so that his kingdom would not be overthrown. See, but God messed up his plans. The religious leaders of that day had their plans messed up by Christmas. They had been praying for a Messiah, someone who would come along, which means the anointed one. They were praying that God would give them a Savior, but what they really wanted was a political Messiah. They wanted a political Savior. They wanted someone to come in and overthrow the government. They weren't looking for a spiritual Savior. They were looking for somebody to come in and end the Roman oppression that was happening with the Jewish people. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus says things like, love one another, love your enemy, do good to those who despise you, return good for evil, love your neighbor as yourself. And they're going, what? I mean, wh- wh- what is that all about? This is not the Messiah we planned on. God messed up their plans the innkeeper that very first christmas man he didn't plan on all the crowd that was coming into the city for the census he wasn't prepared for it and because he wasn't prepared for it mary and joseph had to go and have a baby in a stable god messed up his plans and then there were the shepherds you remember the shepherds and their plans got messed up by christmas they were looking forward to another quiet night with the sheep you know under the bethlehem sky which was a starry night and calm and quiet just taking it easy and then all of a sudden man the heavens light up and there's this angel in the sky who's making this announcement so you guys need to get up and you need to go to bethlehem because the savior of the world has been born their plans were changed has god ever changed your plans i mean seriously how many of you in in the year 2019 you had some of your plans get changed can i just see your hands Pretty much all of us, right? I mean, that's a universal thing. Sometimes our plans get changed. Now, let me make something clear at this point. Not everything that happens to you in your life is God's will, right? You guys understand that, right? Not everything that happens is God's will. The truth is, is we bring a lot of stuff on ourselves, right? We, we say things we shouldn't. We make mistakes. We do stupid decisions, all those kinds of things. And God didn't have anything to do with any of that. And then sometimes other people cause problems in our lives because we live on a broken planet and nothing is perfect here. And We've all sinned. We've all blown it. That means that we hurt each other. You, you, you hurt people, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. And then people hurt you sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. So when you look at the things that are happening in the world all around us, not everything that happens is God's will. Rape is not God's will. Molestation, abuse is not God's will. Cancer, Alzheimer's, all the evil things that we find on the planet, prejudice against race. What what happened on the naval air station base this week? Those things are not God's will. That was not God's plan for our lives. But it happens. That's why God instructs us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because it's not done perfectly here on this earth. It's not, but it is perfect in heaven, right? And so because God gives us free will, frequently we make bad choices. We make wrong plans, and we mess up. So we can't blame God for all the problems in the world. It's because of our will and not God's. But sometimes God comes along, and he looks at our life, and he says, I've got something so much better for you. I've got such a plan for you. I want to do something amazing in your life. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to change your plans. I want to come in and and tweak things a little bit. I want to make it a little bit different. I've got a better plan for you, right? You've got all these great plans for 2020, but God's going to come in and he's going to change some of them because he wants to do something in your life. The Bible says this, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You can make all the plans in the world, but things aren't always going to go the way you plan, as evidenced by the fact that every one of us raised our hand and said, yeah, our plans got changed sometimes. What do you do when God changes your plans? That's one of the lessons of Christmas. And so today we're going to look at three truths to remember when your plans turn out different than you imagine. When God changes your plans, we can learn these three things out of the Christmas story. Here's the first one. Write this down. Number one, when God changes your plans, he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your attention. There's a quote. C.S. Lewis has so many great quotes. This is one of my favorites. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is like God's megaphone. Pain is God saying to you, is anyone home? Is anyone listening? Are you paying attention or are you too busy for me. See, God's plan for Mary and Joseph was so incredible, so awesome, so unbelievable, so, so ridiculously out of the ordinary that he had to do something extraordinary to convince them that it was really going to happen. So he sent an angel to him. Now, he doesn't normally do that, but he sent an angel, and the angel says, this is what's going to happen, because what was about to happen in their life was unlike anything they had ever seen before. It had never happened before, and it's never happened since. Now, for you, God's probably not going to send an angel. All you have to do is just listen, because Jesus, being on this planet, opened up the door for you to be able to connect to God personally. So you just have to listen. But how many of you know listening's not that easy? Are you listening to me? It's not that easy. It's not. Because we're not good listeners, are we? Don't look at each other. We're not. We're not good listeners. And we're especially not good listeners when it comes to listening to God. In fact, most of us are poor listeners. Instead of listening to God, we're talking all the time. Or if we're not talking, we're listening to music or we're binging on Netflix or checking out social media or something else. We're so busy that God can't get through to us. People say, you know what, I never hear God talk to me. And I'll tell them, it's because you've got your lines jammed. You know, he's trying to get through. When God calls you, does it ever go straight to voicemail, right? The answer is actually yes. Because many times when God is wanting to talk to you, you're too busy. What would happen? What would happen if we were to just say, God, I want to hear from you. And I'm just going to be quiet for a little bit and I'm going to listen. I just want to listen to you. What would happen if we would do that? Because most of us don't do that, and God can't get through. The Bible says this in Psalm 81. This is pretty telling. It says, God says, I wish my people would listen to me. I wish my people would listen. When it comes to listening, we're not that good at it. The truth is, if we would just learn to listen, it would save us from tons of problems. Because God's got a better perspective than we do. He sees things differently than we do. The Bible says this, there is a path before each person that seems right. Like This seems like the right thing to do. I kind of feel like it's the right thing to do. My heart is kind of nudging me in that direction. I've got a gut feeling it's the right thing to do. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. He's saying a lot of decisions that you make end up being dead ends. Have you ever had a dead end? Sure you have. Right? Have you ever made a decision that you thought was the right decision and it turned out to be a bad decision? You know, you thought, oh, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get in this relationship or I'm going to you know, do this deal or I'm going to start this business, and it wound up being the wrong thing. See, I think we've all done that at some point. Why? Because we weren't listening. We weren't listening to God. So often what we do is we make these decisions that we think are right, but they end up in disaster. And the reason is, is because we only have a limited perspective. We can't see the big picture that God sees. God can see everything that's going to happen in your life in 2020 and beyond, right? He's not limited by space and time. He doesn't live on a 24-hour planet that's revolving around the sun. He's not limited by 24-hour days. So God already knows everything that's going to happen in your life. It's like if you were driving up in the in the mountains of Tennessee and you're on those curvy roads. And, you know, when you get on a curvy road like that, there's always somebody that's driving like 15 miles under the speed limit, right? And you're thinking, man, can I pass them? You know, you're not really sure the curve's there. And you're thinking, can I just go around them here? And you don't dare do it because it could be a Mack truck coming from the other. It could be another car coming, you know. So you're just kind of stuck going faster than you want to or slower than you want to go and you're getting frustrated. I always thought, man, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a helicopter overhead, you know, and the helicopter person could say, hey, Robert, you got to clear the next half mile. Go for it, man. You got it. Why? Because he has a better perspective, right? That would be awesome. It would be, it's kind of like when you were a child, your parents had a different perspective than you were. When you were a child, they, they probably looked at you at some point and says, hey, if you're looking at the stove, I know you see the red and you think it kind of looks kind of cool and you, you want to touch it, don't touch it. Don't touch it because it'll hurt. Why? They had, a, they had a different perspective than you did at that age. They, they had more experience. When they said, don't touch the stove, were they saying that to hurt you? No. When, when they were saying, don't touch the stove, were they saying it because they hated you? No. They're saying it because they loved you. In the Bible, God gives us direction. Here's some things that you need to do in life And here's some things that you shouldn't do in life. But many times, we don't listen, right? We we don't listen because we think, I know better than God on this. I mean, I I know what will make me happy better than God does, so I'm just going to ignore that. I know God says, don't do it, but I'm going to go out and do it anyway. I'm going to ignore that, all right? Because I know better. And God says, you're going to get burned. You're going to get burned. Everything that God does in your life, everything. He does it for you. And he does it out of love. He does it to protect you. As a loving parent, as a heavenly father, he's saying, I don't want you to get burned. He's saying, I don't, I don't want you to have a broken heart. I don't want you to have a broken body. I don't want you to have a broken marriage. I don't want you to have broken relationships. You know? I don't want you to have broken dreams. So I'm going to give you my perspective. If you'll just listen. Listen. If you'll listen. And if we don't listen, we get all the heartache and the pain and the difficulties and the problems and the consequences that come from doing what we thought we were supposed to do. See, when God changes your plans, he's trying to get your attention. He's saying, I want to do something in your life. I've got a plan for your life. And if you'll just listen to me, my perspective is much better than yours. Here's the second one. When God changes your plans, it means that God has a better plan. He has a better plan. His plan is better than yours. <laughs> Everybody, look at me. It's better than yours. <laughs> it is. It really, really is. Jeremiah 29 11. A lot of you have this verse memorized. It's a very famous verse. He says, I know what I'm planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans, not bad plans. God's not planning something bad for your life, He's not leading you into disaster. But no, God has good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you a hope and a future. As we go into 2020, you don't know what's going to happen, and neither do I. But God says, I have plans for you, and they're good plans. They're plans for a hope and plans for a future. But guess what? He's not going to force his plan on you. He's not going to do that. You can keep going with your plan and face all the difficulties and all the trials and all the problems and all the stress and all the things that happen when you try to go your own way. But God says, I have a better plan. So what do we know about God's plan compared to ours? Well, we know that it's a bigger plan. We know that it's a better plan. We know it's a more rewarding plan. And by the way, it's probably most likely a more difficult plan. Let me talk about that for a second. First, God's plan for your life is always bigger than your plans. Mary's and Joseph's plan, and they were just going to you know, get married, have a few kids, settle down. And God says, no, I'm going to use you as a couple to impact the entire world. I'm going to use you to be a blessing for everybody on the planet. God's plan was a lot bigger than they could have ever imagined. And God's plan for your life is bigger than you could have ever imagined. He wants to do so much more. If you go with your plan instead of God's plan, you know what you're going to do? You're going to limit your life. You're going to limit your life. You have no idea what God wants to do in your life. In fact, you can't even imagine it. You can't fathom it. But God says, I've got a bigger plan for your life than you do. God's plan is more rewarding. It's the key to significance. It's the key to satisfaction. It's the key where you end up going, this is it. This is what I was made for. This is what I was born to do. I can feel it. God's plan is the right plan. And not only is it more rewarding here on earth, it's more rewarding in eternity when you go with God's plan. The Bible says no one has ever seen or heard or imagined what wonderful things God has prepared for those who love him. It's far more rewarding in your plan. But sometimes God's plan's harder. And I won't kid you about that. At times it's harder. Sometimes when you're going with God's plan, it doesn't seem to make sense. Sometimes it's confusing. Like, why is this happening to me? Why is this so difficult? And sometimes it's even painful. When you think about God's plan to use Mary to bless the whole world, it wasn't an easy plan. It probably wasn't easy for her to face nine months of criticism constant gossip. I mean, think about it. She was an unmarried woman. She's engaged to Joseph and people are going, yeah, right. You're a virgin and you're pregnant. Sure. Yeah. And so there was criticism. I mean, would you believe it if your friend told you that? No. So she put up with constant criticism and constant gossip. It had to be painful. And then when she was just about to deliver, they had to go to Bethlehem for a census. So on the day that she's getting ready to deliver, she has to do a very long journey on a donkey. How many of you women that have given birth could give testimony that that would not have been fun? Right? Absolutely not. Right? But that's what happened. Then imagine how painful and how difficult it must have been for her to deliver her first baby in a stable, mostly by herself surrounded by nothing but cows and chickens and donkeys and a, and a carpenter who probably doesn't know nothing about birth and babies, <laughs> right? right? Well, she would have rather probably been home with her mother and her aunt and, you know, family members and celebrating. So the plan was difficult, but it was also a plan of promise. Mary didn't understand it, and I'm sure there was probably times when she said, why, God, Why? Why is this happening like this? But it wasn't until later that she finally understood it. There are some things that are happening in your life right now that you're going, why, God, why? And you're probably not going to understand them right now. The Bible says in John 13, 7, and this is Jesus speaking, and he said, you do not understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Someday you will. See, when your plans fall through and God changes your plans, you need to remember he's trying to get your attention. He's got a better plan. It's bigger. It's more rewarding. And it may be more difficult. But Then there's the third thing that he wants you to know. Number three, he's saying, I want you to learn to trust me. When your plans fall through, God is saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me in this moment. Do you guys ever do that trust thing where you, you stand and then you have somebody, you know, and they're going to catch you, and you just have to fall back. You have to trust that they're going to catch you. It's hard to do, isn't it? Anybody ever chicken out doing it? Yeah, sure, right? Because it's scary. It's scary to say, God, I'm going to trust you in this situation. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, know, I don't know anything about it. I don't have the perspective you have, so I'm going to trust you. That's hard. It's a difficult thing. God is saying, trust me. Imagine just how much this whole thing tested Joseph's faith. Your fiancé comes to you and says, hey, uh, I'm pregnant. And and, and you're thinking, man, well, it wasn't me, right? And then she's saying, it's God. God did this. And you're thinking, okay, right, right? Imagine the test for Joseph being told this by his fiancé. Imagine Mary. Imagine how many different times she was tested by this plan. See, God's plan for their life was so different that all they could do in the situation was trust Him. I don't know what else to do. God I can't figure it out, it's hard, it's difficult, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you've got a plan in this, and I know your plan is bigger and it's better, and it's going to, so God, I'm going to trust you. Come on, somebody, that's what God wants in our life, is that trust. Right? You know that, that statement that says, sometimes you don't know that God is all you need until God is all you've got? Well, that's the moment that you have to learn to trust Him. The Bible says there's only one way to please God. And I really want you to get this. I really want you to listen to me on this because this is so important in your life. How do you please God? How do you get into heaven? You can't be good enough to get into heaven because none of us are. Heaven's a perfect place and none of us are perfect. You know, we're not perfect. So how do we please God? Well, the Bible says this. Jesus said, you will seek me and find me When you seek for me with all of your heart, all right? The first thing that you have to do is you have to seek God because the Bible says that it's only through faith that we can please God. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith. How do you please God? It's not by religion. It's not by rules and rituals and regulations, but it's simply by seeking God in faith. The Bible tells us that we come to him in faith. And that when we come to him in faith, then it pleases him, that it pleases God. Just like a father is happy when his children trust him, like a mother is happy when her children trust her, God is happy when you trust him. So what do you do? What do you do when your plans fall through? You seek God. And the Bible says that when you seek him, you will find him. Let me tell you what you don't do. You know, sometimes I think we, we immediately, instead of seeking God first, we start doing all sorts of things, all right? So you're going through a problem, don't seek the solution, don't seek relief, don't seek to get away from it, don't, don't seek an explanation, I and mean, if you're going through a problem right now, first thing that you need to do, seek God. Seek God first, put God first in that moment, say, God, I don't know what's happening, but I'm coming to you. I want to hear from you. I want you to lead me through this situation. I can tell you how many times I talk to people. They come into my office. They meet with me say, I'm going through a problem right now. This is what's happening. And they lay out this, just, this circumstance that they're dealing with. And I'll say, what is God saying to you when you pray about it? Well, I haven't really prayed about it. You're telling me that you came to talk to me before you talked to him? Something's out of order with that. Man, we have to seek God first. Turn to somebody near you and say, seek God first. Seek God first. He says, if you'll seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart. And then he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Then it goes on to say, but he gives joy to those who earnestly seek him. So you seek him with all of your heart. Second thing you do when you have a problem is that you trust him. You trust God. You trust that he knows what he's doing. You trust that he's wise. You trust that he's loving. You trust that he cares for you. You trust that he's going to see you through the situation. That even though you may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, you may not be able to see the clear path through, you trust that God has a bigger and a better perspective and that he can lead you through it. So many times, man, we see people who have lost hope because they're not connected and they're not listening to God. God says, seek me and then trust me in this situation. The Bible says in Romans 8.28, I love this verse. You've probably heard me share this verse as many as, times as any verse I've ever shared. Romans 8.28, we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if, everybody say if, yes. if we love God and we're fitting into his plans. Fitting into whose plans? His plans. Right? We know. We're not guessing. We know for certain. We're confident. We know that all that happens, not just some things, you know but everything, all things, all means all, all things. Whatever you're going through, whatever your circumstances are right now, whatever feels like it's overwhelming to you, whatever thing you may be going through right in this moment, where it just looks hard, it looks difficult, and you don't don't see a way out on your own. No matter how hard, we know that all that happens is working together for our good. It doesn't say God's causing what's happening, all right? Because not everything in your life that happens is good. There's things that happen in your life that are not good. But Here's the promise. The promise is is no matter what happens in your life, whether it's good or bad, there's a loving God who has a bigger perspective, who wants to come along and work alongside you in this situation, and He will get you through if you seek Him first and you trust Him. That's what it's all about. God causes all things, everything to work together for good if we love God and we're living according to His plan and purpose. Now, That's not a promise for everybody. That's a promise for people who say, God, I want to go with your plan. I want to follow your plan, not my plan. And then you trust Him. See, when your plans get changed, you need to understand this is a test. God is testing you. He's testing you to see am I going to trust God or am I going to trust me? That's the test. Am I going to trust God in this situation and I'm going to do what he wants me to do? Or am I going to trust myself and say, you know what, I can figure it all out on my own. Truth is, none of us in this room have a pretty good record, a track record of figuring it out on our own. We don't. We've blown it. We've messed up more times than we care to admit. And that's just the truth of it. All right? So I have to look at this thing and say, am I going to trust God am I going to trust myself? See, the fact is, we don't know what 2020 holds. None of us do. If anybody tries to tell you what 2020 holds, they're crazy. Nobody knows what the future holds. Nobody could have predicted all the stuff that happened this last year, right? We couldn't. But then there are some things that we do know for certain. We do know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We do know know that. We we do know that God's going to change some of your plans this year. We know that. We know that God will always be with you no matter what you're going through. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And we know that cooperating with God and His plan is the only way to really live. And trying to do it on our own, and while it may seem right, it ends in a dead end there's like three warning signs that you're not trusting God and following His plan. Three warning signs. And they're fatigue, frustration, and fear. Fatigue, frustration, and fear. When when, when you're fatigued, it's a pretty good sign that you're following your plan and not God's plan. When you're frustrated, it's usually because you're following your plan and not God's plan. When you're fearful, uh, you're worried or you're anxious. And by the way, I'm going to talk about this in great detail, next Sunday. And you don't want to miss next Sunday because I'm going to talk about how to have a no-fear Christmas. All right? But when you're fearful or you're worried or anxious, it's usually because you're following God's, you're following your plan and not God's plan. Those are the warning signs. See, that's why God sent us a Savior. Not just to save you from sin. Yes, He came to do that, and I'm glad that He did. But He also came to save you from the effects of sin, too. What are the effects of sin? Failure, fatigue, frustration, fear, doubt, depression, resentment, anger, loss, fear, worry, guilt, shame, resentment, bitterness. All those different emotions that are saying, hey, you're on your own on this. You're going your own direction. I've got a much better plan for you. Just trust me. Walk with me. The Bible says in Psalm 138, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. Who's going to work them out? The Lord will work out his plans for my life for his faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. God says, I have a plan and I'll work it out if you trust me. And who does he want you to trust? The person he sent at Christmas. See, that's what the angels were announcing that night of the very first Christmas. Today, for you, a Savior has been born. Christ the Lord. Why do we celebrate Christmas? because God sent us a Savior. A Savior has been born to you. He's a personal Savior. You say, well, what do I need a Savior for? I'm not like drowning or anything. What do I need a Savior for? Believe me, if you didn't need a Savior, He wouldn't have sent you one 2019 years ago. You need a Savior. You need a Savior from yourself. (laughs) You do. You need a Savior to save you for a purpose. You need a Savior to save you for eternity. You need a Savior to forgive all your sins. You need a Savior to help you figure out the right path. You need a Savior for a hundred different reasons. You need God in your life. And God says, I'm coming. i am come to earth in human form, sending my Son to die for you because you need a Savior. Have you ever accepted God's Christmas gift to you? I talk about this probably every Christmas, you know, but I want to share it again. It's kind of like an unopened Christmas gift. Let's say you were to give me a Christmas gift, and I wouldn't put it under the tree, and it's sitting under the tree, and somewhere around April or, or May, you come up to me and say, hey, Robert, how'd you like that Christmas gift that I got you? And I go, hey, you know what? I've been so busy, I haven't even had a chance to look at it. You go, what? What are you talking about? I mean, I meant to look at it. I meant to open it up and and see what it was, but I've just been so busy I haven't even really looked at it. What would happen? You'd be offended, and I would be out of the blessing and the benefit of the gift. But you know what happens? Year after year, Christmas after Christmas after Christmas, we celebrate Christmas, but we never open the gift. You may have celebrated Christmas every year of your life, and you've never opened the gift. What is that all about? What is the logic in that? God sent you a Savior. Have you accepted His gift? And you need to open your life and accept God's gift to you. He wants to save you, and you need a Savior. At the very first Christmas, people came to the Christmas scene for different reasons. And the same is true for you this weekend. You may be here for all different kinds of reasons. Maybe you came with your family. Maybe your boyfriend or your girlfriend brought you here today or 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 something like that maybe you just came because it's a habit and you just always come or maybe you came because it's the christmas season it just feels right to be here during christmas but regardless of why you came it's no accident that you're here god knew before you were even born that you were going to be here on this sunday at coast community church because he wanted to say something to you he wanted to tell you you matter to me He wanted to say to you, I love you more than you can imagine. He wants to say to you, I've got a plan for your life. If you'll just follow it, if you'll just seek after that plan, it'll change your life, it'll change your destiny, and it'll it'll be more than you could ever imagine. And the adventure of it, what a great adventure that he's called you to. He's saying you'll do it. It's a lot more useful than the messed up plan you've been following on your own. See, all of us here, we're in one of three spiritual categories. We're either seekers, or we're saved, or we're stumblers. And I can tell you, at some point, I've been in all three of those categories. Some of us are seekers, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. You're checking it out. You're kicking the tires. You're saying, I want to find out what this God thing is all about. I'm trying to discover the truth. You know, the wise men on that very first Christmas, they were seekers. They came seeking to find God. And I believe that wise men and women still do that. They still seek after God. They still seek Jesus 2,000 years later. It's wise to seek out God. And just as God guided the wise men to Bethlehem, He guided you to Coast Community Church this particular Sunday. Some of you, maybe you're in the second category. You're saved, you've already accepted Jesus as your Savior. You know your confidence, your past has been forgiven. You know that he's given you a purpose for living out every single day. You know that he's promised you a home in heaven. You're confident of that. You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're saved. Some of you are you're in the third category that I call stumblers. That means, I know Jesus, but kind of lost contact with him. Right? I, there was a time when I felt really close to God. But the truth is, I haven't felt close to him in a long time. Can I just say to you, it's time to come home. It's time to come back. It's time for you to come home to God during this Christmas season. God is waiting to receive you and accept you. So regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey this morning, I'm going to close with the Christmas prayer. And I want to invite you to pray this with me, whether you're a seeker or a stumbler or a saved person. Bow your heads. I pray this prayer, you can just pray along with me in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. But I'd love for every one of us just to say it. Just say dear God, I really do want to know you. I realize now that you've been trying to get my attention. I knew something was missing in my life. I just didn't know it was you. But it was. It really was you. I admit it. I admit also that I've been focusing on my plans and not yours. I want things to change. Thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. This Christmas season, I accept your gift of salvation. Jesus, I want to turn from my own ways and start following you. I want to learn to love you and to trust you. Please replace my confusion with your peace. Replace my guilt with your forgiveness. Replace my uncertainty about death with your gift of eternal life. I pray this in your name. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment. If you prayed that prayer, and you're a seeker, and you said yes to Jesus this morning, or if you prayed that prayer, and you're a stumbler, and you're coming back to him this morning, would you just let me know? Could I just see your hand? Would you just raise it and let me know? I prayed that prayer with you this morning. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you to each of you. Lord, I just thank you that you have this amazing plan for my life and that for every person that's sitting in here, Lord, it doesn't matter where their life has led them to to this point. It's where they go from here. It doesn't matter where your feet have been. It's what your feet, which direction your feet are headed now. That's what makes all the difference in the world. I pray that today, more than any, that you would just be open to God's plan. And would you just tell him that? Would you just say to God, right where you are, God, lead me in your plan. I'm trusting your plan. Even if I don't understand it, I'm trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give a hand to those who... That's my prayer for you this week. is that in everything you do, you'll seek him first. You'll trust Him in your situation. Even if it doesn't make sense to you, you'll trust He's working for good. He's going to bring good out of this. He's got a plan. His plan's better than my plan. I'm going to trust Him. And I pray that you'll feel that, that trust so much during this Christmas season. I know some of you, you're walking through some difficult things right now. I know some of you are going through things that you just don't understand what's happening. But I want you to know When you seek God first, He's going to help you through this. He's going to walk you through this. And it's going to be powerful. And you're going to see God's glory in your situation. Amen, everybody? Amen. Amen. Hey, a couple things before you go. Uh, Next week, Christmas at Coast continues. And I'm going to be sharing a message called It's a No Fear Christmas. We're going to talk about how to get fear out of your Christmas season. And uh, it's just going to be surprising to you how much we bring fear and being afraid into the Christmas season. We're going to talk about that. And then I just want to tell you on Christmas Eve, we do two Christmas Eve services every Christmas Eve. We do one at 5 in the evening and we do one at 11.30. Now let me tell you why we do these. These are an outreach to our community. These are for us to be able to reach out beyond these doors and minister to people who might not normally come. People really come on Christmas, when you invite them, and these services are special. They're only about thirty minutes long, but listen—that service, especially my favorite, is the eleven thirty. I'm telling you, when we first started doing eleven thirty service, I thought nobody's going to come, and they do, because it's just a special time. What happens is, when eleven thirty ends and I mean, the service ends, it's Christmas Day, and it's just something holy and amazing. It, it just. It seems to bring an anointing to my Christmas day every year, that moment. Now, you've probably got some friends who don't go to church but would go and if somebody invited them on Christmas. Invite them to our Christmas Eve service. I think starting next week, is, is Sheree in here? Yeah, we probably have the invites by next week. Yeah, so we'll have invite cards for you to invite people. We're going to be uh, promoting it on social media and that stuff. When you see it on social media, take that thing and just share it on your Facebook and invite your friends to come. And then personally make an invitation. Don't just use social Im- media to make an invitation. Make a personal invitation. Say to somebody, would you come and join me? Would you be my guest? I'm going to the, whichever service you're going to. Come join me. Uh, they're going to have all kinds of goodies and stuff like that. Cocoa and you know, that sort of things when you come. And it's going to be a 30-minute service, and it's going to be special. Come and join us for that. So that's coming up. Well, I'm going to do one more thing. I want to pray a prayer, a blessing over you as you go today. So if you would, just raise your hands with me. It's one of the great joys that I have as a pastor is to send you into your week where the, the church leaves the building and goes out and is a blessing to the world around. So, Father, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, I pray your blessings over them. I pray that you give them favor to all the people they come in contact with. Pray that you give them wisdom, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. I pray that your anointing would be on their life this week. And then, Father, I pray that you would give them divine opportunities that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life in Jesus' name. And everybody said? God bless you guys. Have a great, great week.